Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Jeff. Uh, I'm one of the pastors in our church. Hello, online community. Glad you guys are here today. We're doing something a little special today, actually, uh, as well. We're going to sort of, it's, uh, I'm going to get done preaching, and then we'll have a little bit of an extended time to worship if you'd like to, to stay and do that, or you get to go home a little bit early. Isn't that an interesting way to do things? So uh, we're in, uh, what is this, week four of our Lenten season. We're looking forward. Next week's Palm Sunday. The week after that is Easter Sunday. And uh, this special season is, um, is such a rich time in our walks with God. And this series, we've been digging in to the, the uh, topic of the cross, asking what, what is the meaning of the cross, and then what does it mean for our lives? And by doing, the way we've done it is we've talked about the last seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. And today, we're going to look at the saying where Jesus says, I am thirsty. Now, I wanted to do a, uh, I wanted to do, you know, I, th- I thought about all the illustrations about thirst, and then I realized, you know what, you guys do not need a long, semi- me thinking I'm the funniest one in the room, story about thirst, because we all know thirst. We all are in touch with the idea of thirst. Everybody has had a thirst story, right? Where you're like, oh, I get it. It is such a great illustration of our spiritual longing, because when you're thirsty, there's only one thing that satisfies, right? Now, you, you, get, you get where the sermon's going, by the way? I mean, spiritual thirst is at the core of every human being's life and experience. And you know what thirst is like. You've got a thirst story. There's, uh, there's marathon runners in the room where you're like, oh yeah, 20 miles and you've just depleted all of your, you know, okay, marathon runners. And then there's, there's others of you who have been like, oh, I've been hiking and I didn't bring enough water and it was hot. And you know how that, just that water, you're just like, oh, it's so good. And some of you are like, yeah, no, second swing and a miss, Jeff. I don't really do that. Oh, okay. I know you, charcuterie board, right? At the end of that, salami, prosciutto, you're like, I am so thirsty, right? Anybody get that one? You resonate with that one? So we know that feeling of thirst. It is such a uh, intense and strong, and there's only one thing that will satisfy what I'm longing for idea. And that's why it is such an amazing um, metaphor for our soul's thirst, because there's only one thing that will satisfy, and that's God. And this, we want to talk about what Jesus experienced on the cross, what he was saying, and then what it means for our lives, because this is the soul thirst that we're going to be talking about. So let me walk through the text with you of Jesus, one of Jesus' last seven stayings here. Uh, It's from John chapter 19. It's up on the screen. This is right after the text that we talked about last week of um, where John, uh, Jesus gave his mom to his disciple John and gave John to his mom and they, and that uh, conversation. And so then it says later, knowing that everything had now been finished and we're at the end of the cross, what Jesus came to do. And so the scripture would be fulfilled in all the scriptures, including some very specific ones about the suffering Messiah who would be thirsty. Jesus said, I am thirsty. And so there was a jar of vinegar there and they put uh, a wine vinegar and they soaked a sponge and they lifted it up to him, to Jesus's lips. A couple of times probably that that happened. You can go and read all the Gospels. It isn't, that isn't the point of our text this morning. But there near the very end of Jesus' life, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Some of your translations say just two words, I thirst. And in the Greek, written the original way that the New Testament is written, when John wrote this, it's one word, and it's a good word. It, it is this deep, passionate 
almost tormenting longing for water. And it's the word dipso. One word, I thirst. Say dipso to somebody right now. You gotta say dipso. This is a good Greek word for you. Dipso. And this is what Jesus said on the cross. So we, let's go jump right into asking the question, what does I am thirsty tell us about the meaning of the cross? And then we're gonna get into what it tells us about our life. So what does I'm thirsty tell us about the meaning of the cross? Well, we know for sure that Jesus was thirsty physically. That's, you know, it was, a, it was a, an incredibly horrendous process for him to get where he got, including torture. He's been hanging on the cross for six hours. He probably hadn't had any liquid sent for 20 hours since the Last Supper. I mean, you just go through the, chronologi- the, the chronology of Jesus' life up to that point. He was clearly physically thirsty. That's one thing that it means, is that it was a brutal experience for Jesus to die on the cross. Secondly, it's also clear that he, what it means when Jesus said, I'm thirsty, is that he was identifying. Remember the text said that into, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled? He's talking about two different messianic psalms, Psalm 69 or Psalm uh, 22, both of which talk about the suffering Messiah who would come for the sins of the world would experience this kind of thirst in the midst of their torture. So clearly there is a identification where Jesus is like, hey, I'm the one those messianic scriptures point to. Okay, so what is what is? What's the meaning of I'm thirsty? Well, clearly he's thirsty, he's physical. But also he's saying, I'm the Messiah, everyone. All you Jewish people who know the scriptures that are watching, I'm the Messiah. But mostly, to use this word dipso, I thirst, mostly the meaning of it was that Jesus was telling us of his spiritual desolation. Meaning, remember the meaning of the cross, you guys, that Jesus was experiencing a separation from God. Go ahead and put that slide up there, Micah, that G- Jesus is experiencing the spiritual desora- desolation of separation from God on our behalf. Remember, that's the meaning of the cross, that he went to the cross to, to take on the punishment, the consequence of all the sins of all the world, which meant he was going to be removed from the very sweet presence of God the Father for the first time in Jesus's eternal existence. And that separation from God was done on our behalf. And when Jesus hung on the cross, it wasn't just the physical suffering. It wasn't just the proclamation, hey, I'm the Messiah. It was Jesus saying, oh God, remember this part of it? Where are you? I can't be away from you. I need to be restored into your presence. I thirst for you. God dips so. This is not what life is supposed to be. This is the meaning of the cross, that Jesus was experiencing a desolation from God, a separation on our behalf, and all that he could think about was how much he longed for the consolation of God in the desolation. Come on now, does anybody resonate with that? And that's the question then we ask is, so what is this meaning, I am thirsty, tell us about our lives? And it tells us this very clearly, you guys, that we too, in our desperation, have a core longing to drink of the presence of God and be satisfied. 
Just like Jesus was experiencing the separation from God, we too, you guys, are all walking on some level in desolation and brokenness and sin and needing desperately God's presence in our lives. And so when Jesus demonstrated on the cross, this is what the cross is all about, I thirst for the presence of God because I'm separated from him. He gave us that prayer, that dipso prayer for the cry of every human heart to say, me too, I'm separated from God and I need the presence of God. It's the thing that I desperately, deeply, passionately, tormentingly need is a consolation of the presence of God in my life. This is a prayer God's given us for this Lent and actually for every day of our lives, you guys. Because we too are desolate. We too are broken. We too are far away from God. And the only thing that satisfies is a constant restoration, a constant renewal of our encounter with him and a constant sense of his presence in our lives. That's what I thirst means for us. It's what it meant for him. Dipso, it's my longing that only one thing can satisfy. We're thirsty people. We're thirsty for God. There's such great news in the scriptures, you guys, around this idea of our thirst. Look at a couple of these verses. John chapter, they'll be on the screen for you. John chapter 7. On the last and greatest day of the festival, we'll talk about this text in, in a minute again. This is uh, Jesus is in, in Jerusalem for one of the great feasts. And Jesus stood and he said to everybody gathered there in a loud voice, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within them. Isn't that incredible news? John chapter four, talking to the woman at the well in Samaria, the Samaritan woman, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Do you hear the metaphor of water satisfying the deepest thirst that it constantly comes from within and it's God's gift to those of us that long for him. This is why it's good news. One more verse, Revelation 27 or 21. Uh, He said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And oh, look at this good news. To the thirsty, I'll give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Let me sum up the good news, and these are just a few of the scriptures that talk about water and living water and God satisfying our thirst. Let me sum up a couple, uh, with a couple of points about the good news of this, these truths of his satisfying us and our thirst. One, we were made to be satisfied in him. We were actually built to be satisfied with him and with him alone. You guys, all of our longings, all of them are for him. Do you know that? All of our longings are actually for him and the satisfaction that he brings. And so what happened, I mean, you know, we're like, wait, I, really? No, I'm just, you know, I'm longing for companionship. Yep, you know what? That longing for companionship is actually you needing first and foremost to be satisfied in the depth of your soul with the companionship of Jesus. And then the other companionship has life in it. You go, no, I'm just longing for a sense of security in this life and take care of myself and my family. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? You're longing for security is a thirst. That's you dipsoing. 
for the security of God in your life. And you're like, well, no, I'm just longing for a little pleasure and joy and a great meal and, you know, some good wine with some good friends. Like, yes, that's a longing for the kingdom of God to be manifested in your life in its fullness. And it only has a full deep satisfaction at a soul level if we put our hope in him. And then he gives us that gift as a metaphor and a picture of it. You, you see what I'm saying? He, we were made to long for him. And this is a really hard word. You ready? The difficulty comes in our lives when we actually take our longings for him and we give them to false idols, false lovers, and false hopes. Because then we have a deep dissatisfaction because we're looking to other things to satisfy our dipso when what's happening is Jesus is the only one. It's like us drinking coffee on the marathon to try to hydrate. It's not going to have its intended effect. So one of the, set, the, sums, the, the summaries, the truths of this good news is that we were made to be satisfied in him and in him alone. Secondly, he wants us to long for him. He wants us to long for him. He says over and over again, come to me. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you, right? This is the truth of the scriptures. And here is another hard truth. He wants us to come to him and he will allow us to experience a thirst for him. Now listen, ready? That he won't satisfy in any other way and he won't allow us to be satisfied in any other way. He won't allow it to be satisfying. Some of you are like, that explains some things in my life. Okay, I'm gonna tell you something that I think is true based on my study of scriptures, based on 40 years of pastoral ministry and based on my own journey with Jesus and a lot of deep thirst. Here it is, you ready? God probably is standing in the way of you finding satisfaction in one of the places where you've given your thirst to a false idol. He loves you and your soul so much that you're like, why now that I finally made it financially? Why now that I finally found somebody to be in a relationship with? Why now that I've finally found a, you know, a fulfilling hobby? Why now that, why is there still a satisfaction? Because the divine thwarter says, your satisfaction is in me. And you've placed your hope and given your heart to a false lover. And you won't be satisfied until you find it in me alone. And he stands in the way. And you're like, no wonder that thing isn't giving me the joy that I thought that it would be. Because the Lord is saying, I want you to find it in me. Related and third, that he promises that we will find him and be satisfied, be filled. He promises that we'll find him and be filled. Remember, he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will what? I will give you the rest that you need. I'm going to satisfy your thirst. He says, I'm the way you're looking for a way, I'm the way. You're looking for life, I'm the life. You're looking for truth, I'm the truth. Like you come to me and I will give it to you. 
Jeremiah 29 is such a famous verse, right? That many of us know Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But then go on in the text and it says this, And then you will call on me. You will come to me and pray, and I will listen to you. And then verse 13, You, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. I will come to you, and then it says, and I will restore your fortunes. I'm what you're looking for, and I promise you that you'll find it if you look for it in me. Oh, is this not good news? Because we thirst. Somebody say, dip so. I thirst. I have longings, deep, unquenchable. It feels like longings for life and joy and peace and rest and healing. This is us longing for the presence of God and nothing other than the presence of God will satisfy it is the good news that the scriptures teach. Somebody say amen to that. That is the truth. And all of these truths come together, you guys, in a prophetic picture from Ezekiel. It's related to John, uh, that that passage in John that, that I told you about where Jesus at a festival was there and he said those words, come to me, those who are thirsty, and you'll drink from me. Like, Come and I'm, streams of living water will flow from within you. Jesus is promising you thirst, you dip so, come and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to satisfy that thirst. When Jesus said that, he was probably saying that, tradition tells us that he's probably saying that when the priests were doing, reenacting a passage, a prophetic passage from Ezekiel 47 that I want you to look at if you have your Bible open. Ezekiel 47, uh, verses 1 through 12 They were reenacting this, and I'll tell you the story in just a second, but they were pouring water on the ground as a reenactment of this passage where the prophet Ezekiel is being shown around by an angel, and he's been given this word. So you can listen if you don't have your Bibles open, but Ezekiel 47. So the man brought me back. This is all in a vision to Ezekiel. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw the temple, right, where God dwells, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple. Now, don't miss the the water thing. The water, the thirst dips so satisfying water of God coming from the very temple of God where God dwelt. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar, and then he brought me out through the north gate, led me around outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. And all of you guys right now are like, oh, I've read this passage, and then I remember just skipping over east, west, gates. And you're like, when's the New Testament start in my reading plan? Listen, do not miss this. Water is trickling from the altar of God, the place where sacrifice and prayers and crying out for the dipso of the human soul is happening. Water starts to trickle out from the altar in the temple where God dwells and starts to come out. Verse 3, as the man led me eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubics. And then he led me through the water that was the ankle, was ankle deep. The water that started as a trickle from the very presence of God was now what? Ankle deep and it's growing. And he measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through the water that was knee deep. And he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. And he measured off another thousand. But now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. Friends, the presence of God, the satisfying, the Living water that meets us in our place of deepest longing is growing as time goes on from the very presence of God. It was now a river that no one could cross. It was overwhelming. It was a torrent. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? Are you seeing what's happening? 
The living water that satisfies, that brings life is coming from God's presence. Then he led me to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah. That's the desert where it enters the Dead Sea. This is a picture of the Dead Sea. Nothing grows in the Dead Sea. But when it empties into the sea, the vision is the salty water there. Come on now. Becomes fresh refreshed, restored. Do you feel this in your soul? Full of life. And when it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live because the river flows. And there'll be a large number of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Come on, where the river flows, everything will live. The text goes on to describe, and then there's trees, and they don't wither, and they bear fruit every month, not every year, but every month, and their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. You guys, they had been in desolation and exile, and for 46 chapters. They're in Babylon. This is the story of Israel. And for 46 chapters, the prophets having to tell them from God, you gave your heart to false lovers and you're experiencing the thwarting of God. And the only thing that will satisfy and the only thing that will restore you is the grace of God poured out and the living water that only God gives. 46 boring chapters that you've skipped over to 47 where he says, and then it starts with a trickle from the place, maybe even a teardrop from the place of sacrifice and prayer where the in the presence of God, God's people go, I need you. I need you. And that torrent flows and brings life everywhere it comes. And wherever the river flows, it brings life. Come on now. And Jesus, at the festival, watches the priests pour these buckets of water onto the ground and all the people gathered at this festival are watching the water be poured out onto the ground and all the people are getting in touch with their deep thirst, their desolation, their longing for God, their separation from God, their brokenness, their need for healing. They're watching it in this worship gathering and they're all like, yes, like Ezekiel, like Ezekiel's river God, make water flow, bring life to my life. They're all longing for it. And that's at the moment where Jesus stands up and then in a loud voice inter interrupts the worship service and says, let anyone who is thirsty, do you feel the thirst? Do you feel the dipso in your hearts, people of Israel, that you've been longing for for generations? Do you feel it? You come to me. I am the answer. And if you believe in me, then these streams of living water, Ezekiel's river will flow, not over you, not at you, not you can dabble him from within you. And this is the good news of the cry of every human heart. I thirst because it will be satisfied by the very presence of God within us. Band, why don't you guys come out? I know we're going to have to move on because we want to spend some extended time responding to the Lord in this. But listen, here's you guys then what is left to us. If this is the good news, then A, you, me, we have to recognize that we thirst. Do you thirst? Are you thirsty? And you're like, I don't know if I'm thirsty for God. It's hard for me to feel it. I know, but do you long for deep satisfaction in your soul? Healing, restoration, refreshment, 
all of those things, that's your dipso. Church, I know the band's all pretty and you're looking at them. Listen to me, don't miss this. (laughs) Do you long for consolation in your desolation? Do you long in the places that you don't feel and see God, where you don't feel and see satisfaction, where you don't know healing? Do you long, do you thirst, do you dip so for the river of God to come and bring you life? Are you wondering why you're being thwarted and you're wondering why it is that life isn't bringing the satisfaction? It's because you've looked for places other than in him. So it's left to us to recognize that we thirst and then respond to the invitation to come to the living water and drink and be satisfied. This is what that prayer looks like. Here's the prayers in the scripture, these kinds of prayers. I'm gonna leave this and we'll a little bit later have this on the screen during our worship time. This may be your prayer. One, I am thirsty. I long for you to satisfy my deepest needs. I'm unsatisfied at my deepest places. I'm thirsty, God. I need you. This might be your prayer. I'm thirsty and so I long for more of the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit, the living water. I'm longing for living water, God. Come and bring power and presence within me. And this might be your prayer. I am thirsty. I long for relief from a parched soul. The psalmist says, oh God, you are my God earnestly I seek you. My soul longs for you. My body thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I'm parched. I'm tired. And I need you to satisfy my thirst. Will you get in touch with that this morning? That your longing and your thirst is for him. And will you lean in in this time of response in worship to say, God, what I need is you and you alone. Let's stand and express our thirst to the Lord Jesus.